This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Mavericks. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by David Moore. And someone who's not with us today, at least not in the studio, is Evan Grant. I'm looking forward to our conversation. <laughs> well, you know, Evan would just be asleep. Uh, it wouldn't make any difference. Plus, he's been so distracted the last few times he's oh, been in here. And again, we're talking, what, twice over the last six three years. months? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. So I don't know. Yeah, he's in He's in surprise uh, and uh, where those Rangers are, are cranking it up now. Um, but And we'll have him on here in a little bit. But oh, we be- will? Yes, we will. I don't want to disappoint you. Uh, but before we get there, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mavericks um, and uh, the All-Star game. And, and Dirk had a, a the nice— The team that has captured the imagination of sports fans around here. Yeah. Who would have thought that? Not. Not. No, not, not at all. Not Cat- to, and certainly not to the level that they have. You could see some intrigue in what was happening and, oh, you know, wondering about Luca. And, but, you know, you, you were trying – going in, you were going to project, well, you know, could he be good enough to really help something? And, and he's been light years ahead of what anyone envisioned. So now that the excitement here is – for them is – from the for the fan base is, is really been re-energized here now i'm going to draw someone uh right now uh as the counterpoint to that uh, that's our old pal barry horn uh, i had lunch with him the other day and he says oh i just think he's overrated i just think that he he's, did not he did he did <laughs> okay. and he said i'm just i'm just you know <laughs> he's too, too many turnovers it's like yeah well you know what he's 19 years old you know well anyone who is that creative with the ball is going to have a higher turnover ratio by and large. You go back, you Larry Bird, what was high, you know, Magic Johnson had a higher turnover ratio than you thought he would. Um, this guy makes passes no one else in the game can make. And you know what? Once he's making those passes to better players, yeah. he won't have as many <laughs> yeah, turnovers. He'll look a lot better when they surround him. And with again, some he's guys. 19 years old. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, Look, every game has a, has flaws. I mean, every player's game has flaws, and and you can pick at certain aspects of uh, Luca's game, but he is he is so he needs to be better free throw shooter and so poly- Yes, he does, and and you know people. It's interesting. People minimize. We'll go real old school here, and and you know yell and get off my long guy here, going way back. But uh, to me, the best example of that is Carl Malone. Because when Carl Malone came into the league, he was a good player, but he was hitting about 53 to 55% of his free throws. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, players are bored by free throws. Uh, fans are bored by free throws. But I guarantee you right now, if, if Carl Malone hadn't worked to gotten to the point where he was hitting 75 to 78% of his free throws throughout his career, he wouldn't have been a 28-point-a-game scorer. Right. He would have been a 21 
oh, point of game score. Absolutely. Still good, but not a dominant player in the league. So right. yeah, free throws, you can't minimize that because especially Luca has shown the ability late in games to make shots, to win games. Well, teams are going to go, well, why are we going to let you take that shot? We're just going to put you on the free throw line. Right. Yeah, and, I, and I think that's something that comes, you know, that's the thing you see that can improve in a player, you know, oh, especially, no especially a player who is as dedicated as he is. If they're disciplined enough to do yeah. it. And, and yeah. from what we've seen, there's no question that he will. But I, I don't see any significant shortcoming to his game that would you, lead you to believe he's not going to get better. In no, areas. because because a, a he's a, now listen. Going in, when they drafted him, here was my question when they drafted him was, how is he going to coexist with Dennis Smith Jr.? Well, well apparently we not. Found that. We found that out. <laughs> apparently not. Uh, and uh, because, you know, both of them needed the ball. So uh, that was going to be a difficult thing. Well, it didn't work out. And, I, and it, there was two things. One, it didn't really work out. And two, they just realized, oh, my gosh, this guy's better than we thought he was. You know, oh, yeah. and, you know it's certainly better than Rick Carlisle thought, even better than what Donnie Nelson thought. And, you know, and, and I just want to throw this plug out for Donnie again. If we if we look back, and I know there was a time there when people were saying, "What in the heck is he doing?" They're not drafting anybody, and they weren't. They they weren't drafting anybody and getting any production out of any of their draft choices. You could also make the case that they had lousy draft picks most of the time, but there were guys they could have taken here and there. Yeah. The guys that he has signed up for, the guys he staked his reputation for, have been Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yep. Um, uh, 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 my gosh, I'm having a uh, Porzingis, Chris Stapps Porzingis. They wanted him right after the Knicks drafted him. They tried to trade for him. They couldn't mm-hmm. get him. The Knicks wouldn't let him go. Phil Jackson said no way. And then Luka Doncic. That's a pretty good uh, reputation there. They, yeah. not, he it, did, also, it also shows where his talent as an evaluator lies. Oh, and absolutely. It is, it is in the international game. And he, you know, that's an edge that he was way out front in a lot yes. of other, uh, most uh, personnel people in this league. I would say all personnel people in this league, really. Uh, going back to Sarunas Marshallunas uh, yeah. with, with Golden State. Uh, you know, Sarunas actually lived with Donnie in an, an apartment for a but, while. You're right. That's a great one to bring up. And uh, so he has uh, an eye and an, and an entree into the international game uh, and, and a, a depth of relationships that really no one else in the league has. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Mavericks haven't capitalized on it no. enough up to this point. No. Now it's a little different. Now it appears I have. Now that you get Persingas in here, now that you have Luca, uh, and now you say, you know, I think we've broached this before. You've always, you know, you've talked about these super teams that have been put together in recent years, and, and the Mavericks have always been one of the teams for franchises like that don't even factor in that conversation. Right. Well, go about it a little bit differently. Get your international super team together. Yeah, right. Uh, why wouldn't uh, you want that collection with the guys guys who are comfortable, grew up playing in the same system, get together, know each other? Uh, that's a lot of why you know the, the Mavericks have never been in that before. They just haven't had those players that have been part of that I, I hate to say click, but it really does come off as a, as a click. But, well, now you have a little bit of a European uh, click or a comfort zone. And uh, the Mavericks, if the Mavericks don't use that to their advantage, then I don't think they're doing the franchise, uh, you know, or, or uh, any benefits. Uh, it's an advantage they should use. Well, let's let's look at this because we saw the All Star game, and and uh, and Dirk was a late addition by the commissioner along with Dwayne Wade. Um, and you know, uh, as I feel bad about this because I have a, a, a buddy out in Abilene, uh, Lance Fleming, who's uh, works out there, and 
And he sent me something on Twitter, and he said, why aren't you making a big case for the NBA to add Dirk to the uh, All-Star Game roster? And I just thought, oh, because, you know, <laughs> I'm afraid how bad it might look, yeah. I guess. And then he goes to the game, and he's just terrific. And yeah. and not only did he did he shoot— Actually, one of his better All-Star games. You look at his— Oh, is that Historically, right? I mean, yeah. The, the All-Star game just doesn't really fit his style. Yeah. You know, and, and he's not— uh, he doesn't have the ego to where he feels he has to shine no. in, in that group either. You know, I, I, you have to be ego driven, and you have to have the very athletic above the rim game to really flourish. Like, in like, that. like bounce the ball off the the floor yeah. and then catch it about four feet above the rim, <laughs> yeah, no like uh, the what Greek a great freak play did. That was, oh yeah. my gosh! You know, Isaiah Thomas did that before earlier, but it wasn't the 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 level of execution wasn't what we saw. <laughs> yeah. with, uh, I thought that he, I thought that Antetokounmpo was going to hit his head. Oh my gosh. On the the top of the backboard. I mean, it's just on the bottom of the backboard. It's unbelievable. So, and I, I want to ask you about this. Did you notice the reaction of the players and the fans when Dirk made his three as opposed to when Dwayne Wade made his three? When, when Dwayne made his, uh, and I'm not saying that you know he's not a, a liked player, uh, but the, the difference between the two was unbelievable. You know, because this is, everybody thinks this is the last, you know, tour for both mm -hmm. of them, right? Two yeah. great players, two guys who won NBA titles. Um, so, uh, and, and Wade makes his, and a, a nice applause, everybody claps. And Dirk makes his three, that first three, and guys are coming off the bench, they're waving towels. Uh, I think it, it, maybe it's not so much a commentary on Dwayne Wade as it is on Dirk Nowitzki. No, I think there are, there are athletes who are respected and admired, and I, I think there are some athletes who are beloved uh, in their approach. And I think... Certainly locally, Dirk is beloved, but I, I think you see in that reaction that uh, that there is a, a big part of that among his peers. And I think a lot of it was, you know, he's, um, again, not not your classic guy. I mean, he was a, a, a seven-foot outside shooter um, when still, you know, people were questioning, well, that just means you're not tough enough to be inside more. Where's your post game? Right. Um, he was really unapologetic with it, and uh, with Don Nelson, uh, didn't see the need to do it. Um, so I, I think he helped, <laughs> you know, accelerate uh, big men shooting threes and and uh, pushing it out. Uh, but you know, all that being said, I, I think also that he always had this knock in my mind that that was unwarranted that he wasn't a tough player. Well, you know. He wasn't a tough player as far as getting in guys' faces and uh, being overly physical with them. But he was always a tough, resilient player from the standpoint that, you know, guys would, Kurt Thomas and other guys in the league would just, you know, beat the hell out of him when he did go, go, go down low. Mm -hmm. He didn't complain. He, you know, he wasn't whining for calls all the time like a, a Tim Duncan was. You know, he just took the pounding. Uh, if he made the shot, fine. If not, he would, you know, but, but he just, he stood in there and he took so much physical punishment and he's just this big goofy guy who likes to have fun and he still is. And he's so, he's so unassuming and, and so, uh, his ego is so unlike so many other elite athletes. I, I think after a while, you know, people just, he's a guy who just kind of brings a smile to your face when you see him and, and you, and you want to pull for him. And, and, and I will say this, you're saying the other difference in, in Dwayne Wade and, and uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Well, 
Dwayne Wade's having a much better season this year, and he's a much yeah. more of a part of that team of Miami success than Dirk is of Dallas's success. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times when Dirk just doesn't look like he belongs out there. Now that's because of the injury early. Uh, the question is, over these final 30 or so games, can he work his way back to where he was last year, which was still a, a player who could produce and uh, a, a guy you want on the floor at key times of the games. Uh, he's not that right now. So I, I think to uh, to kind of show that flourish over four minutes, uh, you know, reminded everybody of the player he was and uh, w- was just the perfect setting, and, and and that's all he needed to play. That spurt. Oh, absolutely. If he would have gone back in, it wouldn't have. He wouldn't have, no. you know, added to that at all. He no. wouldn't have burnished his. I mean, that what a what a perfect feeling uh, for him to have, and and for his teammates to have. So yeah, I, I think there are a lot of reasons you saw that reaction when Dirk uh, did what he did in that game. I thought, you know, uh, that I want to go back to something that uh, that Charles Barkley said. Oh, I would say probably, this was probably early January, uh, and, and Kenny Smith uh, agreed with him immediately. said, there's not a better combination of player and human being than Dirk Nowitzki. And, and Kenny, on uh, automatic amen to that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that says a lot, you know, uh, about it. And, and, and I would say that was true. Uh, you know, I, and I've said this a lot of times. Uh, in this town, uh, you know, there's Roger Staubach, who was obviously not only a great player, yeah. but a great guy. Uh, but even Roger's got an ego. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I really believe uh, that, that Dirk Nowitzki has the smallest ego in, in relation to stature of any athlete in Dallas sports history. Any athlete I've ever been around. And there are others who have managed their egos very well. Yeah. And uh, look, and it's not like we're talking like uh, a big ego is a bad thing either. No, I mean, you, you absolutely need that not. to attain greatness. Sure. Uh, and he knows he's a great player. Sure. But but it's enough for – but his his self-deprecating humor, and, and it's all genuine. I yeah, mean, very genuine. Some people say that, and it's like, you know, it's – there's an edge to it where – where, you know, well, you're saying this, but you know you're not believing it. You, you, you don't believe it. You're making a commentary on people who would dare say this about you. You're right. not really saying it about yourself, you know, right. just in their tone and delivery. Uh, Dirk is not – again, Dirk is just a big, goofy kid. He is. <laughs> I mean, he really is. He is. And he's always retained that. And, and he's been around long enough now where – you know, I, I think a lot of players in the league didn't know how to take him early mm-hmm. because he was that way. He didn't have an ego like they did. Um, he doesn't like the limelight. He doesn't. He doesn't measure his accomplishments by doesn't not like just on the court, himself. but also what he does. You know, his endorsements and that sort of thing. And and I think a lot of players just couldn't relate to that, and they were wondering about him. But but they see that he's genuine, and that's what you know. I, I've always maintained that's that's what all players in this league about respect. I mean the. They respect you if you, if the person they see when no one else is around is the person right. you see at all other times. And, and with Dirk, you know, I think there's some great players in this league who put on a face publicly, and they aren't that way when they're around the other players uh, or with their friends. Uh, sure. Uh, with Dirk, you don't get any sense that uh, he's disingenuous in any way, shape, or form. So, so Dirk has uh, uh, had a great All Star game, which was great, and he has said that you know maybe maybe he'll still come back. He's not sure. He's not sure what he wants to do. He wants to see how he feels at the end of the year. See if he has a, 
uh, contribution to make. I, I believe that one of the factors for Dirk will be, is this going to help us if I come back? Is this going to help the Mavericks? Is this going to help Chris Stapps Porzingis make his uh, you know, transition to Dallas? Or will, it, will it contribute to him? If I'm coming back, will he sign something this summer? I believe that he has all those things going on in his head, and he's willing to do whatever that takes. Now, in my mind, uh, he can do whatever he wants. That's, that's the column I wrote today. <laughs> as long as you're not going to say anything about what I should do, you know, if I should retire, I'm not going to say anything if you're going to retire. So that, that's, that's cool, whatever he wants to do. And, and, and certainly they can figure out a role for him. But I could also see him coming back as a, as a goodwill ambassador for the Mavericks, as a guy – for and I and I hate to bring this up because it always sidetracks the conversation. But this is a, basically what Nolan Ryan was for the Rangers. You know, he you know everybody thinks mm-hmm. he was he was making decisions and, yeah. and he was he wasn't really doing that. He was really a goodwill ambassador, and that's what he is for the for the Astros now. A, a very important role and really great thing to have. And I think to have Dirk out front doing that uh, as a goodwill ambassador and have. Luka Doncic be the you know the face of the franchise because he, he probably already is that and mm-hmm. that's that's the remarkable yeah. thing about what we were talking about earlier is that he's gone from being this draft choice that they gave up you know a first round uh, two picks for him two pick, yeah. uh, and uh, well it looks like it's probably okay to do that and then it's like oh my gosh this was, was a no brainer um, so I, I really feel like as long as that happens and that anything that Mark Cuban can do now to recede a little bit. And not make himself uh, such a center of attention, which was easy to do when Dirk was here, because Dirk had such little ego. Didn't bother him, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll let Mark, you know, come out here and, yeah. and be the guy. When you think of the Mavericks, did you, you know, in in the two thousands, and then even in the early part of this uh, decade, did you think of uh, uh, Dirk and Steve Nash, or did you think of Mark Cuban? You know, I, I think you could certainly make the case that it was a, a three headed deal there at times, and a two headed deal, and maybe even a, a couple of times just. Just Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark liked it that way, I believe. And I think that that has started to recede a little bit because of the sexual harassment case and how Cynthia Marshall has taken over as the CEO. And Mark uh, was uh, sitting there and kind of uh, a little bit looking like uh, he was being preached at in, uh, in, in a few of the photos, in which I, I really enjoyed those. I was there at that press conference. Uh, so I, I think there's a little bit of that already, although I, as I think that you believe is that that was maybe just a temporary thing for Mark, uh, to, to be, to let somebody else take the center stage. But I want to ask you this question. Do you think in any way the Mavericks inability to attract free agents over the years has a little bit to do with the, the fact that am I going to be the star of this team or is Mark Cuban the star of this team? Well, one. All the things we were saying about Dirk's lack of ego. <laughs> Let's now swing to the other side of the spectrum yeah. as the conversation moves to Mark Cuban. Yeah. Um, you know, I think more than that, more than, than Mark's high profile, I, I think it was um, the way Dirk played the game and where he was in his career uh, – the other key, usually the, the other top free agents at that time felt that, well, how, how is that going to work? Because right. he, shoots so, he scores so much, he's so efficient. Are there going to be enough shots for me to do what I need to do? And, and how do we work through that? And like I said, I, I think there's something to be said for, you know, a, a lot of U.S. players come up through the same systems and play against each other and often play on the same teams. Uh, you know, up through college, you know, 
you know, getting ready during high school and getting ready for college and all of that. And, and just like the European players do that, but, but you don't see those pools mixed too often. Right. So you don't have those relationships. Now, again, I think everyone felt Dirk was a good guy. I could play with him. He would, he doesn't seem to have an ego where he has to be the alpha dog. So it could work from that standpoint, but do our games really work together? So, so I think there was not a typical power forward. Exactly. So I think there was more of a question of um, could our games work together when you were going after a lot of the high profile free agents. And, but but I'll also say, while I think a lot of them uh, certainly liked Mark Cuban's attitude and approach and gravitated to it, I think more often than not, they use the threat of Mark to get Leverage. offers elsewhere yeah, I believe than that wanting to play for Mark himself. Yeah. And, and so then you get into the, okay, when you have an owner who constantly has to be out front, you, know, you say you like that from afar, but what does that mean on a day-to-day basis? And for Dirk, it, it wasn't a problem. No. Um, you know, for Steve, you know, Steve Nash was another pretty unaffected superstar as well. Right. And I don't know that it was, I think it was a little bit more problem for Steve than it was for, for, uh, uh, for Dirk, but, but not, nothing that was prohibitive. Um, but so I, I think the, uh, the braggadocio and the allure of Mark, certainly it has proven not to be an enticement to come here for free agents. No. So now then you act, but can you turn that around and say, well, is it really a repellent? Um, maybe in some cases, but, but, but I, I think it was more, uh, more than Mark's ego and him always being out front. I think it was more wondering if you could mesh with uh, Dirk's game and, and would that take away too much from your game for you to still be the alpha dog, even though Dirk would allow it. So I think it was uh, players working through those questions rather than rather than Mark himself. But but I think, you know, and, and you can like somebody and think they're funny, but not really want to be around them on a day-to-day basis. Sure. And, you know, these players saw how involved Mark gets and you like it, like I said, you like it when you're not around it every day. When you're around it every day, it's a little different. So I think maybe on some players, they're going, well, would that really, how, how would that wear over time? Yeah, here's my point about all that, you know, because I, I believe everything you just said. And I, and I think that, that the reasons that, uh, you know, that guys might not have wanted to play for the Mavericks, uh, and, and then the fact that it's, you know, it's not on a coast. You know, yeah. although you could make the case, well, the Rockets, they're on a coast, but it's not exactly the prime one. <laughs> and, you know, and they got some great players because they made a trade to get the great trade, player. Yeah. But that was a different thing. Cause James Harden was a guy in his prime. Mm-hmm. Dirk, when they were really trying to attract these free agents, most of them, he was in his 30s. Uh, and, and I think that probably was also a factor. He's an older guy. You know, how how's this going to work? You know, and, 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 you know, to your point about the – uh, he's a power forward, but he's not really a power forward. He's not going to guy gets a lot of rebounds, you know, and not going to play a lot of tough defense. And so how's my, you know, as you said, how's my game going to mesh with that too? There's a lot of things that go into all of those, those factors. But I also believe that in the NBA, more than any other sport, it's about the players, right? Oh, yeah. Not sure. even, it's not even close. Sure. Uh, it's about the players. And in the, and it, from that standpoint, Mark is, is a maverick, 
you know, himself from the standpoint that, yeah, no, no, no. Hey, I'm all about you guys. And he's, he, he seems to be an owner friendly. Certainly Charles Barkley talks about that all the time that, that Mark's mm-hmm. an, a, a player friendly guy. Uh, and that, and that's what you should, you should want. But I just feel like it's time now for Mark to move on. You know, we, we can talk about Jerry Jones. Uh, certainly there's no more high profile owner in sports than Jerry Jones, but he is the general manager of the team, de facto yeah. general manager. And, uh, and at this point, we're just kind of used to it, you know, uh, and it's not, it's not going to change. I think Mark's the kind of guy that can change a little bit, uh, mm. uh, at least maybe. No, <laughs> no. Go ahead. Well, I, I, think, I think it's possible that he needs to be smart enough to see it is about the players. And if, it, it, if, if in any way I am inhibiting this and these ma- – because I don't – listen, I don't question Mark's want to win mm-hmm. you know that, that's un, that's unquestioned you know and he's done a lot of great things and 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 i've you know take some shots at him and but i can see you know that he's done a lot of great things behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff but i also think it's time for him to let this team be itself let luca become the face of this franchise you know uh i don't think certainly not when he was young dirk did not grab the attention uh, and the hearts and everything of everybody. Not you know, even close. Not even close. Well, he, he was, wasn't this good this early. He wasn't. And it was years before he was able. And I don't even know if he did it then. I mean, I think the fact that, you know, fans. Oh, there's a big split on, on Dirk uh, locally until they, uh, again, the focus was on, well, look, you can't get past San Antonio. You can't get past the second round. Right. Uh, nice regular season team. You can't do anything in the postseason. Why should we? And, and going back even before. Dallas won that title in 2011. Go back to 2006. I mean, go back when they, you know, got to the finals, were up 2-0, blew it, and then came back and, you know, had the best record in the league, then go out in the first round. Right. That was more, well, look. That was the MVP. Yeah, and Dirk is just not, you know, Dirk, Dirk can't carry a team. Dirk can't do right. this. I mean, that one title completely changed how he was viewed. And, and I don't think and, – and, again, it just shows you – Everyone talks about sports being a bottom line business, and, and and it is, but it just shows you the emotional attachments winning create. Because I don't believe Dirk would be this beloved figure if they hadn't have won the title. There well, would no, have been a split right. of people saying he's a nice player, but come on, why why does everybody say Dirk's so good? What did Dirk ever do? Right. That would have been that would have been enough to splinter off people to where he is not beloved. He is again admired respected but not necessarily beloved because he didn't win a title so how long can uh, luca go in this honeymoon of people just loving him and and they're terrible you know and of course these the four-fifths of the starting lineup is gone jj berea is gone you know so it's almost certainly understandable but how long do you think it will be the people because let's you know Porzingis comes in next year let's say that they uh, they do get uh, vukovic and they bring they bring him in as a center, and now you've got three really good players. Now you've got three all stars. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, Lucas hasn't been in all. And a guy like Hardaway, who who seems to fit on this team with with what they would do, and and then you get those pieces in place, you can get your complementary pieces. Yeah, and uh, for your system, you know. So I, I think you could be pretty. Look, if um, I, I think if the Mavericks do not make the playoffs next year with that group. Yeah, or, or even let's say even without Vukovic in there, let, let's say with whoever, because they're going to have money to spend this this right. off season. So even if they don't get in, they're going to get somebody um, or, or several people that that should help them. If you don't make the playoffs next year, 
then you start to go look at Luca with a little more critical eye and go, well, you know, we say he's all this, but they only improved right. two games this year from what they did when he was a rookie, and uh, they had a lot more talent. And what about you know? So um, I, I think it's now again it not to the point where you change your overall impression of him, but that would tap the brakes. Yeah, on well, this is a special player because if you're a special player, you take your team to the playoffs, and this year you have a pass. No one expects it at this point, given what they've uh, traded uh, in order to get Persingas in place. But uh, next year, I-, I think people are so excited about the the future with Luka Doncic. If they don't start to see some dividends on what they expect that future to be next year, I think some people would be, you go from that joy to some disappointment. Yeah, and I think then I think that starts to temper expectations. It's you know? all been ratcheted up, no question about it. Now, let me ask you this because we, we, I want a couple of things here before Evan's running a little late, so we're going to take a little extra time here on the Mavericks podcast. Um, the uh, uh, going into this season, you know, the thing, feeling was all right. You know, even with Luca and Dennis Smith Jr., you know, it's probably not a playoff team. It's a fringe yeah. uh, competition, whatever. Uh, after you sure. traded four fifths of your lineup and lost JJ Barea, uh, to me at this point, uh, what's the point now of all right? We're going to go out there and we're just going to bang it. We're going to we're going to push this kid and we're going to you know keep playing him uh, hard and uh, because that's the only way he plays, you know. And the only thing that can control that is Rick Carlisle, how many minutes mm-hmm. he gives him a game. Uh, you know that that pick that goes to Atlanta's top five protected. Top, yeah. uh, you know. Now that draft is is looking a little better at the top uh, than it was this time last year. Uh, certainly, the first pick, Zion Williamson, who is like mm-hmm. a creature from another planet. <laughs> yeah. You know, did you have you seen that that block he made on the baseline where he comes he comes flying out? No. And man. he blocks a shot. It's about the the shot is about three feet out of the guy's hands. A three point shot, <laughs> and he gets it. Not only does he get it, he launches it like <laughs> 10 rows up. I have never seen anything that big go up that fast other than when I was watching uh, the right stuff the other night. <laughs> you know, it is. it was unbelievable to watch. He's just, you know, he's, he's kind of like – a jacked up uh, Charles Barkley, Barkley, yeah, you know, and, and that's a little more athletic, a little, little bigger, more athletic, yeah. 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 So uh, you know, not to say that that's a, that could happen, but you know, it, it could. There's always a possibility if you get in that top five and, and sure. get that protected. And not only th- th- that, but if you do that, then we get into some uh, conspiracy theories here, because you know the way the NBA sets it up, you can't ha- can't trade a a first round pick two years in mm-hmm. a row, and so it pushes things back. And so it pushes back the Knicks picks that, that they they traded, you know, for uh, when they yeah. got Porzingis. Uh, so and those picks right now are twenty three and no, is it right? No, is it 22, 22, 22 and, I think twenty two and twenty four yeah. is what they are. So if the let's say they finish in the bottom five this year and they get in the lottery and they get to keep their pick, then that picks that pushes back the Atlanta pick one year, and now you're also pushing back the Knicks picks. At some point, uh, that second Knicks pick, if it is not executed in, within seven years of when the deal is made, it becomes a second-round pick, mm-hmm. you know. And that would be a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to give up two number ones. You gave up a one and a two. Yeah. So I'm saying here that there are reasons for the, the Mavericks to take it easy here from here on out and to maybe uh, give Luka fewer minutes. It's been a, it's a, been a hard rookie season. 
Certainly he was hitting the wall before the All-Star game. He's 19 years old. I know people will say, oh, well, what the heck? Well, the kid's young, you know, why beat him up? Well, and that's when you develop hard. bad habits, too, when you, get, when you push a guy fatigue-wise and then he starts to do some things and fundamentals slip and then maybe bad habits develop. So you have to, you have to watch for that with, with young players. Uh, you know, it, it's an interesting balance here because um, for, the, for the health of the franchise, that is, that is certainly better. Um, but I think you still have to be, you have a, a special player in Luca and you, and how you manage that and how you go forward with it says a lot as well. And, and I go back to, um, you know, on a different level, the Chicago Bulls found themselves in this position early in Michael Jordan's career when he was missing games, uh, came back, they were out of it. And basically management was just going, well, why should we even, uh, play them. Uh, we have a good young team. We'll have a better draft pick here. Let's do that. And Michael Jordan went, no. <laughs> you know, I get back on the court. Uh, we're going to win. We're going for a playoff spot. Um, you know, forget all of that. And and I think a lot of the winning edge that the Bulls had that allowed them to win six championships was developed by Michael Jordan's attitude Mm -hmm. and really a defiant attitude of no look this is about all of us who are out here now we're going to go back out there and do this and remember this is a this is a franchise that that felt it caught lightning in a bottle when it won that 2011 you know you heard you know it they extolled the virtues of chemistry and and how the uh, you know, we came together something greater than what we all were individually and, and what a wonderful mix. And then they had no problems blowing it up the next year because, well, you know what? We could get more talent in here than we had before. Right. We weren't going to be able to duplicate this, so let's just move on and didn't even give that group a chance. Well, you know, you can understand that from a management standpoint, but from a player standpoint and a coaching standpoint, I think it's a pretty hard argument to make. And... Uh, so I just, I would do what you're talking about with Luca, but I would do it in small doses and games where Luca's on the floor and he, and you can still win a game where it would be better for you not to win. Uh, I don't think you rein him back. I don't think you say, you know, well, let's, let's have you do something different in this situation. I think you want him uh, dictating the end of games and trying to win those games as often as you can because they're not always going to come by his hand. It's going to come by the plays he makes, uh, what he sees, something he follows away on how to respond in another situation. Uh, and, and you just gain more confidence in that. So I, I don't think you – I agree with you. I think there will be some games where you can manage his playing time and where you can say, well, you know what, we're not going to win this one. Why extend his minutes here? But I will say any game that – it, but but I also say he's going to give you a chance to win some games here late in the year that you wouldn't have a chance to win otherwise. Right. And, and I think pulling the plug on him in those games would be counterproductive long term, even if you did get into a top five. Yeah, but I still you disagree. Yeah. No. No. no I, I, look, that's you know. No. No. It's a great argument. It when when great people argument. when people talk about tanking, you know, it's not about the players. You're not asking players to play poorly. Oh no. No one's asking them to do that. It's all on the coach. Sure. You know, it's all on the coach in the minutes he gives players and when he's giving them the minutes. And, and you know, that's what it's all about. You know, it's it's never about the play. You, I don't ever want any player, you know, acting like, oh, well, here we go, you know. Well, but, and then the other thing they have to determine is they have to determine is, and, and again, the players see what a coach is doing too. So if you're, um, 
if you're pulling your key players oh, yeah. during winnable games yeah. and six to seven of these players are going to be on your roster next year going forward, you're developing a culture where mm-hmm. you're saying, eh, it's okay to lose. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, although, but I, I don't think they're going to be six or seven players no. that are on, this, on the floor right now who are going to be with this team going forward. So I think that lends to your argument of, well, let's yeah. just go ahead and, and, and pack this in some nights. And that's kind of what my point is. I, I think probably you'd be lucky to see four or five of these guys on, on the team next year, and that's okay. Um, yeah. You know, I think they have some nice parts. I certainly would like to see them bring back Maxi Cleaver. I think he's really mm-hmm. a, a, a fundamental good player. Piece. Although I will say, and I know people are going to say this, it's going to like all right, it's going to like the all international team next year, you know. Yeah. So, but I don't think there's any question that they need to add some some significant parts around it. But I think that uh, I think there are a lot of things to watch about this team. To your point that you made at the very first of the uh, podcast, the fact that the Mavericks are this intriguing and they're not even any good. You know, yeah. right now, because of all the, the trades that were made and the fact that Porzingis can't play right now. Well, they're good compared to what they were last year. Yeah. So, that, so, so that's the thing. They're better than what they were last year. Right. And well, they, with, a, with a remarkably bright future, which you didn't necessarily no, see. No, because last, year last year, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, he's a nice player, but, you know, yeah. you, you, you could certainly see the flaws and you could certainly see the things he and could do. And you could and see their, and you were looking at them going, well, you still got to go two or three players here oh, just, yeah. to, just to get into the bottom four. Right of the playoff hunt. Oh, absolutely. Not not a top four, bottom four. Now you look at Luca, the the you know lure of Porzingis going forward, and you're going one more really good player in this yeah. team. And that's all they need. Can be absolutely. In that four to five. Let me one last quick thing here because Evan is Evan is almost going to be with us. Uh, oh, good. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, if they get, uh, let's say they get Vukovic and add him okay. to the mix, and then they add some little pieces around that. What is that? Is that a is that a fifth seed? Is that a sixth? Is that a seventh? What is that? It depends on the the state of flux above. I guess it depends on Kevin Garnett. I mean Kevin, Kevin uh, Durant. Durant. Yeah, uh, so Kevin's mixed up. Yeah, um, you know, can Denver still stay up there? Uh, the The West is so strong. It, it's deeper, obviously, right. than the East, and has been for. 25 years uh it's not going to change anytime soon um yeah i mean dallas can be markedly better but there's some really strong teams that have been together for quite a while in the west that don't look like they're going to break up i mean you know oklahoma city right with all they've lost they they're still up there and they why would they slip much paul george has been year? such a interesting development yeah. for them yeah. yeah he has been so I, I would think even with all of that, you would have to look at them at, in the bottom four, uh, yeah. more in the in the five six range as a ceiling. I, oh, I think I, absolutely. You know. But here's the thing: I think that, and, and, and to your point, is all that's correct. They get they get in. I think this team could go because I think well, here sure. is what's going to happen here. If they get him, we're talking about the transition of guys playing together who have come from similar backgrounds, similar styles. You know, I think it was interesting that that you know Luca was in the the skills competition of the NBA All Star game. You know, mm-hmm. Porzingis won that two years ago. Yeah, you know, a seven foot three guy won the skills yeah. competition. So what does that tell you? This is going to be a very highly skilled team, not necessarily mm-hmm. a highly athletic team, although it's pretty. Those guys are pretty athletic for what they do. Uh, very highly skilled. Mm-hmm. So I think when you when you do that, and then you add athleticism around that, and that's I, what they'll do, yeah. and that's what they'll do. I, I just think that that is really that that's something to me that comes together a lot quicker 
than a deal where guys are, you know, that was the whole problem with, with Dennis Smith and the, and then some of the transitions were made and certainly the struggles that Harrison Barnes had this year, mm-hmm. you know, which I think that was another key deal. The fact that they are not going to have to pay him $25 million yeah. next year. That's a lot of money to pay to a guy like Harrison who does again, what he does. again, a, a nice player. Again, a player they overpaid. Yeah. Uh, because of where they were at the time, and they needed someone. That's why it's not always good to have cap space. Oh, Sometimes absolutely. you just have to spend it, and you know you're overpaying to get someone in. And again, look, I, I think Harrison Barnes is a nice player, uh, certainly an out- outstanding individual. Yeah, uh, Gave back to this community a lot. But, you know, the Maver- when the Mavericks got him, he was at best the – Ninth best player on the floor in the <laughs> finals. Yeah, that's right. You know, so that's I right. mean that's uh, and and you can look at Luca and Porzingis and go, how many games are they going to be below the third or fourth best player on the floor? Right. And most of the times they're going to be the first and second best player. Absolutely, on the floor. absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for our Mavericks podcast. And now we're going to have our Rangers podcast coming up. And we're also going to do a little Cowboys before we get out of here today. So, anyway, thanks for coming. And from everybody in here to everybody out there, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mavericks Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.